Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com on today's Tour Catch-Up. Naomi Osaka lights up the Olympics in Tokyo. Ash Barty shocked by Cerebes Tormo. And Cam Norrie wins his first ATP Tour title in Los Cabos. Kim, the Olympics has arrived. It is all go in Tokyo. Yes, the time zones are not great for fans in the UK. It's going on in the the middle of the night and I'm waking up each morning. But yeah, there's lots and lots of tennis to discuss. And I think what's really fascinating at the moment is we've got this tennis going on in the Olympics, but we've also got tennis going on in Europe. It's warming up as well in America. And I don't know where, I don't know where my eyes should be sort of drawn to first. Should I be drawn as a fan to the, the tour or should I be going to the Olympics? Even if, even if the draws aren't as, as strong as they have been in the past. Yeah, it's, it's, there's so much choice, Joel, and and so much choice with other sports because I found myself, you know, getting drawn into like the taekwondo and the swimming and, you know, everything else that's going on. Yeah, well, skateboarding, you know, <laughs> there's so much to pick from that I have to say, I'm not going to lie, tennis might have taken a slight backseat, still been following it, but I mean, taekwondo, very exciting. You mean you would prefer to watch taekwondo over Dominic Kupfer versus Max Purcell in the tennis? Well, Dominic Kurtfer and Max Purcell can't win any medals for Team GB. So, yes. Very true. Very, <laughs> In that very instance, true. I'm going to be biased and uh, say that when there's a medal, you know, I'll be there. Let's start with the Olympics, Joel. Uh, let, let's begin with the men's uh, competition because we've had a, I wouldn't say we've had any sort of very dramatic uh, matches. You know, there's not been really many upsets. You know, Djokovic is sort of strolling through as per the draws, you know, opening up for him. I mean, the draw probably isn't anything he's too worried about anyway. Um, Andy Murray's unfortunately had to pull out of the singles. He's still in the doubles, but has had to um, take medical advice not to play both events. Um, you know, we've had a win for Liam Brody, So uh, we do have one British hope in the singles still. But yeah, other than that, I think it, it's going fairly to plan um, f- for the men you know, in the top seeds. I think, you know, Rublev did lose his opener, but that was Sinishikori with, you know, at home in his home Olympics. I think that was quite a nice win for, for Kane and Shikori to, to come through. I think all the, the shocks so far or the surprises even in the, the tennis have been in the, the women's draw. The men's side still feels like it's hotting up. I mean, when we're talking about Novak Djokovic, his matches have really been a breeze. We all know as fans what is on the line in terms of the you know, the Golden Slam and, and getting a, a gold medal. You know, he's come through his opening two rounds really easily, 6-2, 6-2. And then uh, Struth today, 6-4, 6-3. Again, it's just been, he's just been playing, you know, like he's been playing the whole season. I think in particular, his serve as well is working really, really well, giving him a lot of free points. But I mean, what I think, what the best thing, what we've seen from Novak Djokovic is the, how much he has embraced the uh, the Olympics, particularly on social media, because he is going about literally, I think every every time he's not on a tennis court, he's always wanting to kind of mix and mingle, I think, in the Olympic village with with different countries and, and different sports. And I find that I find that really more fascinating, I think, at the moment than some of the, the matches he has played, because the Olympics is unique in the sense that it gives, I think, opportunities to, you know, elite level athletes to kind of mingle and, and chat and share advice I think with sports sports people from other sports and you know for you know for for Djokovic uh, I think it's almost kind of twofold because for athletes kind of chatting to him I've seen him with kind of the I think the Belgian gymnastics team I think was one of them um, but you know the, those athletes can almost ask him I think about you know what 
you know, what drives him, his mental toughness and all that sort of stuff. But he's also looking, I think, to, you know, bring in some more advice on board from all these different other, different other sports. And, you know, for, for tennis players, that's an, that's an opportunity they, you know, they only get like one, once every four years. Yeah. It's a bit, I, I was surprised because I thought that when they were in Tokyo, they had to kind of stay in their rooms other than like competing. I thought that there was quite a strict, bubble but obviously not because athletes are able to kind of get out and about and mingle I guess as long as it's within the the venue but um yeah it, that is what is quite nice when you see you know kind of disciplines like merging and <laughs> you know all that kind of cross-discipline chat going on um I'm sure you know I mean Djokovic has got to be one of the most famous sports people there so I'm sure he's he's quite a star which I'm sure he likes and is enjoying very much but um yeah he um, hasn't really had any tests on the court as of yet um I mean we've got a match coming up uh tomorrow i believe which will be stefano sitspas against francis tfo um which is probably the pick of the kind of next round matches or this is the second round match actually um it hasn't happened yet obviously tfo was the one who knocked sitspas out of wimbledon in the first round so he'll be looking to to get some revenge over tfo but i think either of those players would be kind of looking to to go quite deep here because i think there's a real opening um you know for either of them to to kind of make that final, you know, against probably Novak Djokovic. I would say someone like TFO is, is on for a, for a shot here. It's funny because I think Sissipas, although it's obviously still in the competition, he only, he's only played one match against uh, Cole Schreiber and came through it in three sets. There is, it has definitely felt, a, you know, a bit in terms of his kind of momentum and particularly I think his confidence that has, I wouldn't say it's gone shot, but I think it definitely took a, a dip um, after that, you know, that loss to Djokovic in the the French Open final, and he's, uh, you know, we we all know about also about the, you know, his personal situation with his his grandmother, unfortunately passing away as well. But it it does feel like it has had a effect on Sissipas, and we've I think seen that in some of the re- results he, you know, he has had, and the icing the icing on the cake in in that respect was that loss to, to TFO. So. Yeah, I think Sissipas is still, I think, in this sort of phase of he's going to need to be, if he wants to get a medal, I think he's going to need to rediscover some some form that necessary. I don't think necessarily is there yet. I mean, just looking at some of the other kind of contenders, Zverev is already through to the third round, not really, not really been pushed so far. Medvedev, who you know, I thought was going to have a tough match against uh, Alexander Bublik, um, came through quite two quite tight sets, and then came through against India's Nagal um, to reach round three. So it feels very, very much like, you know, we're sort of getting towards the midway point. It's not, I, it, we've not had any sparks so far, I don't think. And it could be an opportunity, I think, for a player that we're not necessarily talking about, you know, maybe it's a Monica Pui situation where could kind of come through because, you know, we speak about, Aslan Karatsev doing, you know, a similar sort of Monica Pui situation earlier in the season, uh, you know, on the hard courts in Australia. Now, you know, I, we've seen him on clay and grass, and he's you know, he's done it, he's done okay. But I'm looking at Karatsev thinking whether you know he could he could kind of rediscover that form you know that he showed I think at the start of the season and maybe go on a bit of a run, maybe get through to potentially uh, you know Novak Djokovic in the in the semifinals. But he looked very very good, I thought. Um, against Tommy Paul in round one. Yeah, I, I think, and, and obviously he's playing for Rock Russian Olympic Committee, which I think <laughs> caused a bit of confusion the very first day of the games. Uh, everyone was like, "What? What? What is Rock? What is Rock?" <laughs> um, but yeah, funny you mentioned Sumit uh, Nagal. Nagal, I'm never quite sure how to say it, but um, he became only the third Indian to win a men's singles match at the Olympics by beating Dennis Istomin, who, you know, I'm a big Dennis fan, so I was a bit sad about that, but I was pleased that Dennis managed to make it to the Olympics. Um, thought that was that was nice. But yeah, it is a great win for, for Nagal. Uh, first Indian man to win an Olympic single since Leander Pays in 96. So I know. Great for India. Absolutely fantastic, I think. You know, fantastic achievement. Again, the Olympics does give that platform for these sorts of I think situations to happen and it's great to see, you know, players be inspired and 
achieve victories that kind of put their I think put tennis on the map in their country and um you know I think we've seen that in in other sports and it's great to see that I think with you know a nation as massive as as India this is going to be you know something that will live long in, in the memory for him Absolutely. And um, yeah, I mean, we haven't like on the men's side had too many sort of sensational thrillers. I suppose the most exciting match was that Chilich uh, match against Menzes, uh, where he, <laughs> it was a bit bizarre. He came, well, he, he came back from sort of a breakdown in the second set. Then in the third set uh, was five love up, had eight match points. Um, then that went to a tie break. He then had to save a match point from Menez. Menet, Men- I can't say his name, Joel. Zhao Menedes, <laughs> um, to win in the last set tiebreak. So, after eleven match points, Marin Cilic finally got through that one. That was an incredible match. That was just end. And I don't think I've ever experienced a roller coaster match like that on the on the men's side for like a while, and it just it just came out of nowhere. I, I would have just thought, you know, Marin Cilic, experienced player, will know how to handle. You know, relatively unknown player from Brazil in, in singles, but, oh, I mean, three hours, 25, it was really, really swung one way and then the other. I mean, I guess the one final point is, Kim, let's just quickly talk about Andy Murray because he did, you know, he is in the doubles. He had that fantastic win with Joe Salisbury, uh, against, um, Mahu and Ouz Ebert. Uh, but he decided to kind of pull out of the singles. Now, I thought that was kind of interesting because you know, he's obviously got told you can only play one event and he has decided to go in all in on the doubles, which I think in a, in a situation, uh, you know, other players may be in that situation. It might have done the opposite and put the, you know, the doubles to, to one side. I think we see that in, you know, in grand slams, if, if players get far enough in, in both tournaments, and they want to commit to one. It's only the doubles that I think gets kind of put on the, put on the shelf. But I thought it was interesting here that even though he is a double Olympic champion in this event, he's decided, right, that's the event. I just, well, he must be thinking maybe that, you know, he doesn't have, he has a better chance of meddling in, in the doubles and the singles. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd be a fool to think that Andy Murray could have probably, defended his olympic title in singles here um i think he's definitely made the right decision i mean he's got two goals already but if he was to pull out of the doubles poor poor joe salisbury you know he wouldn't like his whole be all and end all would have been you know yeah be like obliterated (laughs) yeah exactly and if i was joe salisbury i'd be well annoyed if that had been the case so yeah i think i'm absolutely right to pull out the singles what you know you've got our best you know world-class doubles player to play with uh in the doubles you know who can kind of help carry you if you've got like a new onset sort of thigh injury so I think that's absolutely the right call I was just a bit annoyed that maybe Andy hadn't been given that advice you know prior to the games perhaps someone else could have come in and taken his single spot um in advance like from from the British team although obviously Cam Norrie had decided already that he wasn't going to play um, I know we were going to have Dan Evans, but obviously he's out because because of COVID. So I, I don't know if anyone would have been able to come in anyway, but it was sort of a bit like, oh, what bad timing. You know, it's very unlucky. It was a bit of a shame because he would have played Felix Auger-Aliassim and mm. Max Purcell, who did come in in, in replace of, of Andy Murray, got the, the victory 6-4-7-6. So I, I don't know what happened there, but that was a, you know, that was a bit of an, um, that was a bit of an upset that, uh, in, in round one for FAA not to, not, not to win. So, you know, I, I part, when I saw that result, part of me was thinking, oh, if Murray, Murray, Maybe he even need to be at his best to to do that, but I mean that's just you know that is just one match, and I, I certainly think it was probably the right call in terms of the com- in terms of the competition going all the way. Yes, it is best of three all the way through to the final. No best of five anymore in the final, but it's still very you know it's still very tough. And from what it sounds from the conditions as well, they are not they are not conducive to short points. It is it is hot, it is humid, and it is a very it sounds like it's a very slow court. It it sounds like it's effectively a a clay court in disguise. Is is, is the sense that I'm getting from I'm reading, kind of insight from kind of players and and yeah, how how it's playing at the moment. But um, yeah, it's probably the right decision for Murray. Yeah, um, I mean, let's just talk about the women's side of of things because I think you know the biggest shock we've had so far was Ash Barty losing to Sara Cerebes Tormo in straight sets in the first round. So, you know, recent Wimbledon champion, world number one. Um, 
and she's upset by by Sarah Cerebus Tormo, who's uh, you know just inside the top fifty, has had a pretty decent de- decent year. Obviously, had that win over Osaka at the Fed Cup was it last year now? But yeah, Barty was just not at uh, the races. Her forehand was off. So many errors, which was really, really, really surprising because, you know, we think back to her form at Wimbledon and, you know, she, you know, the, you know her movement, she just gave nothing away, really good counter-punching, all that sort of stuff we know with Ash Barty. But she just got cleaned up by Cerebes Tormo, who I think... The, <laughs> I mean, this court, I feel like, is maybe a match made in heaven for Cerebus Tormo, a slow, slower court that just enables her to get absolutely every single ball back in play and, you know, make a fight of it. And maybe that's you know, really kind of helped Cerebus Tormo. And yeah, Ash Barty just wasn't able to find her range. And, you know, I think for some of these players, that transition from grass to hard is something that some players maybe are finding, you know, a lot, a lot more challenging than others. And maybe Ash Barty kind of put herself in that situation. The fact that, you know, it's been a very quick turnaround, very limited practice, completely different continent. And maybe that's what, that's what did for Ash Barty. Yeah, I mean, she's still in the doubles with Storm Sanders. So, mm. you know, all hope is not lost for Team Australia. Into the quarters as well. Actually. Yeah, and I mean, that's a pretty decent pairing. We know how fantastic mm. she is as a doubles player. So I feel like she's on for a good chance at a uh, a doubles medal there. But um, we also had, you know, some other top seeds out today. Uh, Sabalenka is out. Sviontek uh, Kvitova, who was the only, I think, former singles medalist uh sort of in the draw from from olympics um so yeah they had they had some upsets today there's only sort of six of the top 10 seeds i think left in the draw now pretty good going for the spaniards as well uh because palabadosa she beat Sviontek in straight sets today or yesterday i suppose by the time we're recording this and uh well they've actually also got obviously garbina muguruza through so i think spain have got three players still still left in which along with the czech republic are the most um czech republic still have von Drusova, they still got krajicskova who is also going very strong and karolina pliskova wimbledon finalists yeah and just talking on spaniards we had garbina muguruza as well who's into round three a lot of people talking about the fact that her draw look on paper was a bit of a horror show because she could have had she could have had Kvitova followed by Sabalenka um in order to get to the the semi-finals and the fact that she's in the top half of Barty as well but actually it's panning out quite quite nicely for her the fact that Kvitova and Sabalenka have gone out I mean Vekic had a very very good win against Sabalenka I was very surprised by that I mean I think Vekic was 3-1 down in that final set and you you know, it was a match. It was a victory that I, you know, didn't we've not seen. I think from from Vekic in a, in a long time, and um, you know, I think it's sort of opening up potentially for a Muguruza. I mean, Rybakina is still in there, so yeah, I think there's some dangerous, dangerous, dangerous players, and I think we, I think we could be in for a situation like Monica Pui, potentially a you know a surprise, you know, a surprise package getting to the final, potentially in that. Um, you know, in that top path, I still feel like in the bottom half, Kim, that it's just going to be, it's just going to be Naomi Osaka, who is the talk of the town at the moment. And she's just like, like Novak Djokovic, she's just kind of steamrolling the competition. Well, she did light the Olympic flame. So she's obviously, you know, perhaps being inspired by the honour <laughs> that was bestowed upon her. Yeah, I do feel like she's, she's going through very, very efficiently. And if you do look at her draw, she doesn't really have anyone that I would say is going to upset her. Um, I think, you know, players like Muguruza would have, you know, a good chance against her, but that, that would only come in, in the final. So I think for me, really, I'd be looking at Osaka, Muguruza or, or Krichichkova to, to come away with the title, just based on what we know they can do. And, and Krichichkova, you know, her recent form has been so outstanding. Um, she's got Benchich next, but I think, you know, Krichichkova, she's one of three Czechs still left in it. They've they've got, you know, the most kind of hopes at medals along with Spain with the number of players left in it. So for me, it's those three that stand out. I mean, are you surprised by Osaka and how well she's just come back? I know, I feel like, you know, she's had matches that, you know, she's been expected to win. And I mean, Goljubic, you know, she had a, she had a good uh, Wimbledon. But I think what's been really impressive for me was the fact that, you know, she's had this, she's had this break. She has come back, but it doesn't really look like she's, I mean, it's not been, 
you know, it's not been lots and lots of time off the tour, but I think it's been very impressive how she's been able to kind of go about her business. We know, well, we must, you know, we know the, you know, the pressure that she must be under in, in her home nation. The fact that she is, um, you know, she was given the responsibility even of, of lighting the, uh, the Olympic fame in the stadium. Um, has it surprised you how well, um, you know, she has been able to, you know, just take it all in a stride and just get on with, get on with the business kind of coming through these, these early rounds in, in pretty, pretty easy fashion. Well, I assume she's talking to the media again. <laughs> um, what with, you know, the Olympics and all the home, mm. um, home media and home hopes on her. So I'm, I hope she's kind of feeling a bit better about herself, you know, as well. And especially being given this kind of attention as she would expect with her home games. <laughs> and she's been waiting for it for such a long time. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought we might maybe see a bit of rustiness or or nerves on the court, but you know, so far we haven't seen that. So she's looking looking very strong to to continue going through. And yeah, I mean, looking at the draw, I, I, it's hard courts as well. You know, think of all the the recent hard court slams that we've had and how many of those she she's you know won. So I think you know it's it's she's a very hot favourite for uh, for winning at, at her home slam, which will be. Home slam, home Olympics. Gosh, okay. <laughs> can't get my tennis uh, terminology right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we will, we will see. Um, let's just have a quick look at the women's doubles. As we said, Ash Barty and Storm Sanders are still going strong. And uh, we've got the Vashnina Kudermatova pair for, for rock, uh, also up there. <laughs> but I, I would expect also Kwiatkowska and Zinyakova to, to come through as well. And, and, you know, they're very hot favorites. I also feel like Matic Sands and Pagula could, uh, end up with a medal but yeah some really good partnerships going on there um i think the the bottom half of that women's doubles draw is probably a, a bit more open uh so yeah we will we will have a look at that um as it progresses through and in terms of the men's doubles you know hard to also look beyond i guess mektic and pavic up at the the top of the draw you know wimbledon champions but obviously we're hoping that andy murray joe salisbury can can come through um they've got your favorite Kravitz next Joel Kravitz and Quet <laughs> Mies must be injured because he's not there playing with his mate Kravitz so um but unfortunately we also had um Roger testing positive for COVID so he had to pull out with Wesley Kohlhoff which is a shame yeah it was yeah, I was yeah it was disappointing I hope that doesn't affect any other athletes in in the vision in the village in terms of uh their kind of participation but yeah that was a big um you know i think that's probably the biggest impact we've seen so far of of covid on on the tennis event um you know obviously deeply unfortunate for um for you roger but um uh, yeah it's just i guess that it's the risk i guess you take with going to play the the olympics as it is um but yeah i mean with the men's doubles it was surprising i think to see Jamie Murray and Neil Skupski lose to uh, Nishikuri and, and McLachlan. Um, but I mean, a very, very good win for them to get through to the, the quarterfinals. Perhaps if the biggest surprise, though, was the fact that Andy Murray and Joe Salisbury won against Oogs, Eber and Nicola Mahu. We talked about, we touched on this earlier, Kim. I mean, I was not expecting to wake up to see... Andy Murray, Joe Salisbury, six three six two over the the number two seeds, the French pair, who I feel like they they have done it all um, on the tour at, at Grand Slams. I know they're. I don't actually think they've won a match together in the Olympics. I think their their record there is still quite bad. But for Andy Murray and Salisbury to win as a bit of a scratch pairing, that for me is was very very impressive. Yeah, I was not expecting the nature of that scoreline. I thought if they did come through it would probably be a much closer affair you know a champions tie break but um yeah fantastic and Mahu and Herbert obviously want Olympic glory so much they probably just can't function when it comes to walking out onto the court and we've got um mixed doubles I believe as well due to come still I think Novak is has entered the the mixed doubles with Nina Stojanovic so uh actually Stojanovic has had some decent results of late so it's probably uh quite a good quite a good partner for Novak I'd say oh I'm not oh, I'm not sure I'm just no, feel like, I, I wow. bet she's honored you know to, to play with him yeah I mean I think yeah I was a little bit surprised if you know they are 
a team in there because yeah i mean i think djokovic is just eating up isn't it the the olympic atmosphere and he wants to be part of it as as much as possible i was a little bit surprised if if they do if they are in the draw we've, we've not seen the draw yet i know they're on the uh the player entry list um but um yeah given all the talk about you know uh playing too much tennis and being at risk from burnout, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but I guess, you know, we know Novak Djokovic, a very kind of self selfless person loves to, you know, give and be a, uh, you know, person who can, you know, share his, I think, share his, his brand of tennis, share his brand, his personality with, with everyone out there. So maybe this is just a, you know, extension of that. Indeed. Uh, right. So let's um, have a quick break now. Uh, before we go on to the second half of the show, uh, where we'll be talking about Caminori's first tour title in Los Cabos, as well as first tour titles for Carlos Alcaraz and Daniel Collins. So do not go anywhere. This is The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to... Well, a par for the courts, I believe you've got up your sleeve for me, Joel. <laughs> yes, I've got another par for the. I bet you're. Are you are you sick of these already, Kim? I'm not sure. No, I love them. I, I love a good quiz, <laughs> as you know. So I'm more than happy that we are doing another one. Hopefully, our listeners will enjoy <laughs> playing along as well. Okay, right. I have got another par for the courts for you. So your par for the courts topic today is. I am looking for the sixteen medalists in singles at Rio, London and Beijing in tennis. Oh wow. So okay. there are 16 medalists and I'll I'm I'm feeling nice so I'll break it down for you. There are six men and nine women um who've won a bronze, silver or gold in tennis singles in London, Rio or Beijing and of that 16, I am going to set the par score at, I was, well, I was going to, should I go 50%? Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go 50%. I think I'll be, you'll, I'll be impressed with, if you can get, if you can get eight out of 16. Mm, I'm going to go, I think I can get 10. I'm going to aim ooh, higher okay. than that, Joel. Okay. All right. Okay. So we've got a challenge here. You think you can can get par for the court's second second week in a row so okay let me know what's your what have you got what's your first answer so just to clarify it's uh beijing london and rio from mm. three olympic games okay yep. well uh let's start with rafael nadal correct um oh i'm just trying to think who he beat uh he beat um fernando gonzalez in, in the final i believe Correct. Yes, Fernando Gonzalez. Yep. That's that's two. Uh and I I can't get any of them wrong, so I'm gonna just skip the bronze person for that one because I'm not hundred percent sure. Um <laughs> so let's go to you're London. You're going for like the difficult you're going for like all the difficult players <laughs> first. How is Rafael Nadal difficult? <laughs> um okay, Andy Murray, obviously. Correct, yes. Roger Federer. Correct. Yes. Got a silver medal uh, in Wimbledon. Uh, Del Potro. Correct. Yes. Silver medal as well in Rio. Okay. Um, I feel like Djokovic got a bronze, didn't he? But okay. I'm not going to say Djokovic yet. Kane Ishikori definitely got a bronze last time round. Correct. Yes, he did. Yep. So that's a clean sweep for so that's five. Rio. Yep. Okay. Um, right. And maybe Djokovic doesn't have a bronze then. Okay. Um, I'll go for the women now. Uh, Elena Dementieva. Correct. Yes. Elena Dementieva. Uh, yeah. In uh, way back in, in Beijing in 2008. Yeah. Um, oh, I feel like Safina got a medal. Dinara Safina. Yes, correct. Oh. Safina did get a silver silver medal. I think she lost to Dementieva. Yeah. Um I'm not sure about bronze in that one, so I will go to London. Is that six? I think that's six you've got so far. Uh okay. Ooh, London. Who won London women's oh, was it Serena? Oh. 
Um, I'll go to Rio. Monica Puig. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yes. So that's seven. Angelique Kerber. Angelique Kerber for achieving par. That is correct. Yes, yes. you have achieved Go par Kerber. Score. Well done. Yeah, Angelique Kerber lost to Monica Pui in um in Rio. So yeah, well well done. That was uh eight out of sixteen. Maybe I was a bit too maybe I was a bit too lenient. Well maybe I no, should have gone a bit I, higher. I, well, possibly. I know Kvitova also got a medal. And I think Beijing, was that James Blake for the men? Or was it no so, so I mean if you had said to me Petra Kvitova, that would have been correct. Um if you had said Serena Williams. Serena Williams, yes, that would oh, have been correct. She did win, yeah. Um Novak Djokovic is a correct answer. He got a bronze medal in Beijing. Ah, it was um, him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people forget that, but yeah, he has got he has got a medal, it's just not gold. Um so yeah, Novak Djokovic is correct um so you've got all, i mean that's all the men all the, all the players left are are women so i don't know if you've got any any other guesses azarenka no she got the doubles didn't she but she didn't do singles or didn't azarenka is a correct answer oh is she, she got, oh that must have been in london bronze. yeah ah. she got bronze at wimbledon in london so who did serena beat in the wimbledon in in the olympic final <laughs> oh uh not sharapova it was sharapova was it not? It was Sharapova, oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And the final the final one was the bronze medalist in Beijing oh. for women. It was it another Russian? Cause, was it uh Vashnina? We've spoken about this before because we've we've definitely had a pod where we have spoken about the fact that this was the time where three Russians mm. did win uh all the, the gold, silver, bronze. And it was Dementieva, it was Safina, but it wasn't Vezhnina, it was Vera Zvonareva. Oh, I would have said Kuznetsva as my other one. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. I know Vezhnina won the doubles, but this was obviously for singles. So, gosh, that does get your mind working. So, yeah, thanks, Joel. I hope our listeners enjoyed testing the recesses of their brain with that one as well um <laughs> and it's obviously very topical what with the olympics going on um we also had a really topical mailbag question from dan via email joel uh this is quite a fun question we alluded to this earlier as well so um dan's question was novak Djokovic has been going around the olympic village meeting lots of different sports people from different countries so which non-tennis athlete would you both love to meet if you were in the olympic village in tokyo now that's that's quite an interesting question um <laughs> i got quite hard just to pick one but uh joel do you you know who, who would you want to be to be uh doing gymnastics with perhaps <laughs> no i have gone for adam Peaty, who uh, is a swimmer. He's a very successful swimmer. I feel like he doesn't get a lot of success in the, there's not really that heralded in the UK, but he is like the best breaststroke, uh, person, I think, in the world. He's not like lost a race in, in six years. So I just love to meet him and talk about what his secret su- to success is and his, I guess his longevity in the sport and how you just stay at the top of your game. Um, because, you know, I think we've seen that with Nadal. Djokovic, Federer, and I would just love to hear other, you know, athletes who are in that similar sort of goat status, I think, in their discipline and understand, you know, what they do um, that kind of ensures that they are number one uh, for, you know, for so long. I mean, watching him today, he won his, his gold medal in the 100 meter breaststroke. He's defended his his title after four years, which is not very easy to do. I don't think any GB swimmer has done that. So, um, yeah. Adam Peaty uh, for me is 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 my pick. Yeah, he is a bit like the Novak Djokovic of breaststroke, isn't he? <laughs> very very dominant. I Hasn't love lost that. I love in that. a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, I I probably stay in the pool as well and say Michael Phelps, who I know is not a current Olympian, but he he is there commentating for NBC. So I would just be like going up to the commentary box, being like, Hello. he could just get into a swimming pool and get a bronze medal i still feel like he could get he's got that in him yeah oh i'd love to see him sort of try and make a a comeback or maybe they could have like you know masters for old olympians um <laughs> but yeah i mean oh what a great question so many so many fantastic sports people i also would love to ask 
like divers generally how on earth they have the courage to go <laughs> head first off a 10 meter platform yep, because definitely it it's just beyond my imagination but um yes anyway loads of olympics still to look forward to um including obviously all the rest of the tennis but let's return to the regular tennis draw joel which saw um Cam Norrie win his very first ATP Tour final uh, title even in Los Cabos. And, you know, he was the top seed for this event. We did say last week that he had a very good good chance, um, you know, looking at the draw. And he did it with flying colours. He didn't drop a set all week. Pretty much thrashed uh, everyone in his quarter, semi and final. So absolutely fantastic for for Norrie and it's it's nice that he's finally kind of got over this this hurdle because prior to that he'd lost you know four finals in a row so uh, uh, fantastic and you know Brandon Nakashima surprise finalist as well so good to come through against someone who he was obviously very much expected to beat yeah it was uh you know it was a very impressive i think performance from Norrie. we everyone knows that his his this has been his breakout season he's really really improved as a player and you know i was i was thinking to myself you know if 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 Norrie has you know has chosen to forego the olympics and be on the tour it was like, if not now, when in order to break your, your your title duck with you know with the the draws that are kind of available and um, yeah, it was a very impressive you know march to the final. It was very ruthless. I I sort of expected it to be ruthless given the the players that he was coming up against. I was a little bit surprised maybe Taylor Fritz could have given him a bit more trouble um, in that semi final. He came through six three six one, but uh, yeah, it was just a very just very very good from Norrie and it's going to be I mean it's going to be great to see I think you know there's no pressure I just don't feel like he's playing with any sort of pressure or expectation and as a result of that he's just achieving all of these different sorts of firsts and I really hope that you know in the future he can add more titles I think to you know his name and I think you know right now given that the form he's in yes he's won his first but I honestly would not be surprised if his, his second one comes next week or or you know again another another point this season i just think it's it's sort of like that you know london buses analogy i think you know with one comes two and i i put i definitely think the way nori is playing that he can he could potentially rack up you know another atp 250 whilst you know the the you know, majority of players are in uh, you know in tokyo for the olympics i think it's it's got potential that he could you know he could go again yeah, he needs to make hay while the sun shines and <laughs> clear up whilst he can. Um, I mean, yeah, because he'd already, you know, this is his fourth final of the year. So, like, he is having the most exceptional year, which is just brilliant. I just hope it continues for as long as possible and he doesn't, you know, come a cropper in, in, in any way. But um, can I just say, Joel, as well, Brandon Nakashima, I did say last week to look out for him. Did I not? I know. I thought that was. I thought that was quite left field. And you know, I know we're not very good on our predictions on the pod. So yeah, exactly. If you want to give yourself a shout out, then I'm I'm fully allowing you to do that. That is why I'm doing it because generally speaking, I <laughs> a don't think shout out as well. Any predictions of mine have ever come true ever. <laughs> so I'm like, yay! But he was trying to become the youngest American title winner since Roddick uh, in 2002. So it's been a while since someone that young like because he's he's only 19, 19 so yeah. um he is um a good prospect for the future I'm, i'd be quite intrigued to see what he does for the rest of like you know for, for the us open and the us open series so um one to watch um another one to watch that we have been watching for a while joel is carlos alcaraz because he won his first title as well We've watched him in person as well, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, Wimbledon a few few weeks ago. We did indeed, and um, yeah, he's only eighteen, of course. He's been touted as like the next Rafa Nadal, um, but yeah, he had Richard Gasquet in the final, so very much sort of someone at the start of their career versus someone on the way out. Um, and yeah, Alcaraz had youth on his side, won quite easily six two six two um, to come through. And you know, this is a obviously he's at home on a clay court, out you know, um, outdoors. This is kind of the, the str- slightly strange post Wimbledon clay court swing if you like that goes on in Europe but um yeah really impressed from Alcaraz um all the wins he put together this week and it's nice to see that he's kind of actually getting on that that title board 
Uh, yeah, he's he's been introduced to us, I think, for you know for a while. I think you know in this season he's he's had plenty of uh, you know t- time on court. I think he was going into Umag with a ten and ten record, but I think his game is very. You know, we very much we know it's is very well suited to uh, a clay court, and you know it was nice to see. I think in a, in a final, uh, you know, a really classic sort of youth versus experience matchup between Alcaraz and, and Gasquet, and I think you know there was a. Both players in this final wanted to, you know, wanting to win for for different reasons. And I think, you know, with Gasquet, you know, it's just great to see him in a final. You know, I think he's been had injury setbacks. He's had to face Nadal and Federer, uh, you know, in his last two Grand Slams. So, you know, for him to kind of get through to the final was really impressive. And you know, I'm sure he would have wanted to to cap it off with the title because. He's not going to get many. He's probably going to feel like he's not going to get many of those opportunities, uh, you know, left left in the you know left in the in his locker. So you know, I think that was probably his his kind of motivation. But certainly with Alcaraz and you know the expectation on him, you know, he's got Ferrer, Juan Carlos Ferrero as his his mentor. Um, he would have been feeling like I, I'm ready. I want to break through. I'm ready to break through. And, and being on a clay court where you know he, we, we've seen his best results and him really kind of feel at home it was it was probably ex, you know, he was expecting to happen maybe not necessarily this tournament but you know some of the players that he beat on route to the final was just very was just very very impressive I mean he beat Kranjevic in the quarters and then Ramos Manolas in the in the semis so he's beating some very very good players and you know he's 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 one to watch for the future I'm still a bit like is he just a clay clay court bully I, you know I, I will Kim I just always go back to when we watched him at Wimbledon, I, I remember saying to you, "He's just playing like a he's just playing grass courts like a clay court." So I feel like there's, you know, certainly with more time and being able to adapt to the different court surfaces. But right now, yeah, very very tough player to beat on a clay court. I feel like he needs to phone up Uncle Tony and be like, "Help me adapt to all surfaces <laughs> like you did with Rafa." But obviously, Tony is sort of working with FAA. But like, essentially, he needs to kind of go through that and, and learn to conquer the other surfaces. But you know, let's give him his due. He's just become the the youngest ever, well, youngest tour level champion since I think Nishikori back in like two thousand and eight. So, um, you know, we'll let him enjoy this moment first before we uh, bombard him with with grass courts but um <laughs> one player as well who is doing very very nicely you know also having a fantastic year as is Cam Norrie um and that's Casper Ruud who's won back-to-back titles now he won the uh Gestard tournament in, in Switzerland um off the back of winning Bastad in Sweden now they're the two tournaments I think we get the names mixed up sometimes so uh Casper has gone and won them both um and yeah he won against Hugo Gaston in the final a very comfortable win 6-3-6-2 um this is his third title of the season you know he is another player that is kind of making hay while everyone else is in the Tokyo sunshine because he's um you know unbeatable at the moment and uh especially on a clay court you know this is his best surface and uh, he really showed his, his sort of excellent defence and great movement around the court um, in, in the week, you know, because he had, again, uh, mostly very comfortable matches, bar- barring the uh, the set he dropped mm. in his, his uh, semi-final. Yeah, because we were, we were talking about this draw last week, being like, this is a really strong draw, really strong draw. You know, Shapovalov's there, Batista Agut's there. Um, you've got Christian Garin as well. And they, they all lost all, really early on to... Players that are were much much lower ranked than them, um, so it really felt that with Rude, it was you know, it, as long as he kind of kept winning match by match, it, the, you know, the draw was opening up for him, and the you know the momentum that he is bringing, the number of matches he has won, he again is another player who has just been he's just been impeccable, I think, on the on the clay this season, and was really really impressive and. For me, it was a little bit of a surprise to see him come up against Hugo Gaston um, of France in, in the final. But again, all credit to him because we know all about his, I think, his variety and his, particularly his, his drop shots that he can, I think, really, really kind of helps him when he's playing clay quarters. He like to you know, maybe stay you know, 10 feet behind the baseline or, or whatever. Um, but I think in that match in the final against Rude, that Rude, because he is able to be aggressive, he, Gaston really wasn't able to get in, into a rhythm I think in the match and in the point and when whenever he just I just don't think Rude en- enabled him to to settle and um again I think it was just a very very impressive 
business as usual performance from Rude to, to come through. And um, I think he will be another player who just kind of wishes the the post Wimbledon clay season could just kind of continue on for uh, forever and ever. Absolutely, and uh, you know he's got a he's got to beat his uh, his dad, hasn't he? He's got to kind of make sure <laughs> that out of the two of them, he ends up with a better career. So, uh, but yeah, I I loved watching Hugo Gaston last year at the French Open. So I was really pleased that he sort of popped up again and had a good good week um, because, yeah, him and his drop shots, I'll take them all day. Um, thoroughly enjoyed watching him last year when we sort of, he sort of burst onto the scene at, at Roland Garros. Um, so, yeah, whilst all of that's been going on, we've also had a couple of WTA events, Joel. Um, another first-time titleist uh, in Danielle Collins uh, out in Palermo. She was the top seed and came through to uh to win the whole the whole thing whole shebang in straight sets um she beat elena gabriella roos 6-4-6-2 in the final and, and roos was the one that um kind of young romanian who had won a title last week i think it was so she was kind of on off you know coming in off the back of a, a first time title win and almost managed to make it two in a row uh but collins you know put a stop to that and I thought Danielle Collins would have kind of already won a, a title on the WTA tour, but apparently she, this was her first final. She'd, she'd lost, I think, in all six of her previous semi-finals. So, um, you know, fantastic that she's a, again, like finally got over that hurdle. Um, you know, because she's been around for, for a while and we know how kind of feisty she is. It's just sort of surprising that she hadn't already got to this point. I, I was more surprised that a qualified didn't win the final. I feel like we've had so yeah. many qualifiers uh, win WTA finals this season. So I was like, is, is Roos actually the favourite going into that? But uh, yeah, it was a really, it was a really, again, really impressive week for Collins. I think we've seen a lot of, yeah, top seeds just doing really well and, and making making the most of, of favourable draws for them. We see that on the men's side, I think with Norrie and Rude, and we're seeing it on the women's side with with Collins. and. Yeah, I don't think the USA women did particularly well uh, in the Olympics. I, you know, I think they lost a lot of their opening matches in the the late in the ladies' draw. So, um, you know, for Collins to, you know, put a, put a really solid week together, get her first tour title, going onto the you know the American hard courts, that will be uh, you know give her a lot of a lot of confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, back on kind of home turf, uh, she'll be wanting to build on this. And uh, it, also she she had lost to Roos um, uh, in Hamburg earlier this month. So it was nice to kind of get revenge on <laughs> on her. So, um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Well done, Daniel Collins. Um, also, Joel, we had a tournament out in Poland, G- Gdynia. Uh, and I have to say the final that we saw in Gdynia was perhaps not unexpected kim everyone was fascinated with this draw i think given the perceived sort of low quality of or low rankings of of players that were filling this draw the fact that only one seeded player got to the quarterfinals it was just uh it it was just a i think it really put to the test by levels of of tennis tennis player knowledge on the on the wta side yeah i looked up uh marina zanevska afterwards and she represents belgium she is belgium but she um i think her parents are, are ukrainian so um she's sort of you know I, I was basically stalking her instagram um <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah really pleased for her she she had a good week uh last week i think she got to the semi-final in lausanne so obviously in good form at the moment i think she's going to be back into the top 120 after her win here but yeah she came through against christina kukova in straight sets to to win the the Gdynia Open um she's yeah I mean it I mean we we shouldn't be surprised should we but by, by getting you know first time singles finalist and, and qualifiers winning and all of that um it is really nice to see fresh names on on the tour and you know people kind of having the week of their life and finally achieving you know year what years of hard work has kind of been leading up to so Definitely, perhaps um, someone to keep an eye out for. Though I feel like we say that all the time. <laughs> um, but Christina Kukova, who lost in the final, she um, in the quarterfinal had the longest match of the year so far on the WTA tour um, against Ekaterina Gogodza. I think this was almost like four hours. Um, Three hours saved... fifty-five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> so just shy of four hours. Oh. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, she had to save uh, 
four, four match, match points. points to come through that one. So um, she did a really well to, to come through that and then, you know, make it through all the way to the final. Perhaps perhaps she was slightly tired in, in that final against Zanevska. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> that must have been such a wild, wild match. I don't know if there are any fans in, in attendance, but, uh, yeah, that was, oh, that was, that was, that was crazy. What a wild, what a wild tournament. I love, it's like, I think this tournament shown you don't necessarily need big names to put on a really memorable tournament. And, you know, I think there was a lot of eyebrows being raised that, you know, was this, should this have taken place? Are there too many 250s on the, you know, the tour at the moment, particularly, when you know a lot of the players are at the Olympics, but I certainly think that this showed that you can create memorable moments and give people you know memorable experiences that they're going to remember for the you know for the rest of their lives. And again, I think this tournament did. Although I had yeah, I, although I was slightly skeptical at the beginning, I think it sort of lived up lived up to its expectation on the on the WTA tour. What for com- complete unpredictability? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got obviously the rest of the Olympics, as we said earlier, but we've also got a couple of other tournaments happening already this week. Uh, we've got Kitzball, uh, on the ATP and also Atlanta. So the, the start of the, the US Open series. So yeah, it's literally all happening. I mean, Kitzball, this is another of those clay court kind of post Wimbledon events, uh, which I mean, actually, this is quite interesting because Nick Kyrgios was having a bit of a, well, he's kind of slugging off these events, wasn't he? <laughs> Why do they exist? I'm not really sure what's the benefit of playing these just be- like between like you tra- you're going to have to like transition between grass, clay and hard all in a short space of time versus you could just I mean maybe just do grass and grass and hard and go to you know go to Mexico and maybe play Los Cabos but you know there's obviously a there's a market for it they need obviously tournaments in in Europe and maybe they feel like they want more European tournaments through all of the the months of the year but I mean Casper Ruud again is the the top seed and Kim I would not be surprised if he goes back to back to back uh, given the the form he's in Bautista Agut is the second seed he didn't have the greatest of of weeks last week so you know he'll want to kind of rectify that situation I mean Kranjevic and and Ramos Manolas are the the third and fourth seeds as well I mean just looking at the draw I you know I'm I can see this being number one versus number two seed in the in the final personally i don't don't necessarily see a lot of other dangerous players apart from maybe carlos alcaraz uh in that top quarter could could face rude in a quarter mm, yeah i was gonna say alcaraz rude but i think rude would would have a, a bit too much for for carlos unfortunately um yeah perhaps someone like arthur rindeneck i don't know i mean i'm just picking names here I, i'm trying to Repeat what about my Nakashima prediction? Uh, Ernest Gul- well, I would have said Ernest Gulbis, but he lost today uh, against Yuri Vesely in uh, the first round. But I can't remember the last time I saw Ernest Gulbis uh, in a main draw. So great to see him quali- going through qualifying and, and, and getting through. Yeah, I mean, as for the clay court events, I guess they're just trying to make the most of the European summer. And mm. there are players like, I don't know, the Serendolos, for example, who love a clay court, although I think one <laughs> of them is in the Olympics. You know, there are players who just probably want to play on clay all year mm. round and don't give two hoots about the US Open series or hard courts. So um, they're probably lapping it up. And I do think it's a bit weird, though, like you said, the transition between perhaps three surfaces in the space of a month. And I think Shapovalov's decision to to play Gustav this week was a bit of a, a strange one because, you know, he what he's played one match lost it and you know what's that gained him I mean maybe there was a big appearance fee happening somewhere but um we'll 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 see um <laughs> Atlanta Open though also happening this week um which is you know Cam Norrie's there oh imagine could he could he possibly do two in a row we shall see um but Milos Raonic is the top seed there Sinner is the second seed I love how is Milos Raonic the top seed? It's just uh, I don't think we've seen only build the tour uh, a lot recently, but um, obviously the you know the ranking situation has has, has meant that he is there on a wild card. Yannick Sinner, yes, again another player who could be quite dangerous, but yeah, I, I, again, I feel Cam Norrie is the the danger man. However, however, I've got to add Kim, he could place he could face Kevin Anderson or a certain Nick Kyrgios uh, in round two, and I would not. I would not be surprised if Nick Kyrgios just does a Nick Kyrgios and just goes all the way through to the final, which I sort of want to happen, but only if 
he faces Benoit Pair in a, in a, in the quarterfinals, which is potentially on the cards. Oh gosh, I don't, I don't know what I don't, I just, I don't. Have that would words. be so funny. Yeah, it would be. I think it would be the tennis. Would it be the tennis connoisseur's dream? Probably not. It'd probably be a match that would just divide opinion and would have everyone talking on Twitter for probably for the more salubrious and ignon ignonimous uh, reasons. Oh, fancy word there. I know Joel. that was those were the two fancy words. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, loads of Americans as well in this draw, as per you know, Sam Query, Fritz, Isner, Jack Sock as a wild card. Gosh, haven't seen him in a while. So, Scott Kyrgios final in Atlanta. Let's let's make it happen. Oh well, they used to play doubles <laughs> together, didn't they? I think they used to you know have quite a a thing going. But um, yeah, let's um, let's round all that up as usual. We'll be back next week to do that. Um, Olympic tennis carrying on. I mean, should we, should we try and predict the titleists, Joel? Should we do a tentative Olympic title prediction? I mean, I I'm thinking for the men, it's got to be Novak Djokovic gold medal. Mm. It's probably more interesting to think who's going to be in the final with him. Mm. Um, maybe maybe Medvedev. I could sort of see maybe Diego Schwartzman getting to the final. Oh wow! You know, this sort of hard, slow court plays quite well into his sort of brand of tennis Kachanov as well i think is could could fly in under the radar who i think has got big boosting confidence recently given some of the wins he's had on tour so yeah maybe i'm yeah i'm i'm sort of looking maybe at a surprise kind of finalist from that bottom half to get a silver medal yeah maybe maybe Kachanov or, or schwartzman and then yeah bronze medal i guess could be anyone's i'm gonna go uh sasha zverev sasha zverev for my bronze medal Oh, it's not a bad shout. Yeah. Blimey. Okay. I was only asking you to, to do the gold medal, but you've come up with all three. <laughs> I would have to agree that I think it's going to be Djokovic, Medvedev, bronze medalist, oh, Karatsev. I'll go with Karatsev. Um, as for the women, um, oh, I I feel like Osaka, um, Muguruza, uh, Muguruza, sorry, uh, silver and bronze could be... Mm, uh maria sakari there we go (laughs) okay yeah i for some reason i think i think osaka silver medal oh arbora krachichkova gold medal uh i'm thinking krachichkova is again on crazy crazy good form at the moment and um you know she was in the same quarter as ash barty and i think i think she's gonna do quite well so i'm gonna go krachichkova gold medal Osaka silver medal and I'm going to say Karolina Pliskova bronze medal so I think the checks the checks are coming and I'm expecting I'm expecting more than one medal I think from the checks in the in the tennis and the ladies singles Hmm. Well, they'll be hoping to to wrap up, <laughs> get as many models, as, get as many medals as possible. Um, but yeah, we'll be back next week to to look back on it all, won't we, Joel? Mm, yes we will be back listeners i hope you've enjoyed listening to this tour catch up with the passing shot remember if you want to stay up to date on all the tennis going on including all the tennis at the olympics make sure to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice whether that's apple Podcasts, spotify overcast castbox stitcher wherever you listen to us make sure you subscribe to us and you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app And if you have been enjoying listening to the show and you want to help the show out, make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. And you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. And do let us know all your thoughts or any feedback you may have, as we do love to hear from all of you. Um, if you prefer to send us an email, you can also do that PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And we will be back next Monday to talk about all the goings on on the tour, including the tennis in the Olympics and looking back on some finals. Will it be a golden moment for Novak Djokovic? Who knows? But we'll uh, be back next Monday to talk about it. So I hope you can join us for that and we will see you again soon. So 
So, Joel, are you, are you getting up in the middle of the night to watch Andy Murray and Joe Salisbury and, and oh Liam Oh, my Cody? God. Yeah, abso- absolutely. Bring on the uh, bring on the Red Bull. No, I'm not going to go to bed. I'm just going to stay up and, and watch it. <laughs> See, I just can't do that. I'm I'm approaching 30 and I just can't do those, those like middle of the night tennis watching jobs anymore. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.